0: Well, good morning, and uh, it's great to be with you. I'm a I'm a Southern Baptist preacher, or at least ordained that way, and uh, this is my favorite Pentecostal church I've ever been to. (laughs) So uh, this church gets more excited about seeing people come to know Christ than any other church. And uh, I remember a couple years ago, your pastor Michael Youssef was uh, preaching in Egypt, and he gave like a little video update from egypt where he was preaching and there were some bad things going on in egypt at that time and so you you as a church had been praying and and been praying for the safety of your pastor and everything and he got up and he he gave a telling everybody here at the church what took place in those meetings and this church stood up and they were applauding and giving god the glory for what god did there in egypt i never ever forgot that how much you love your pastor but how much you love seeing people come to know Jesus Christ. And so I'm grateful for this church. And uh, I, get, I want to get, bring greetings on the behalf of my father, Franklin Graham. He's, uh, he just finished preaching last night in London, of all places. He's been preaching in, uh, all across the U.K. And uh, his last event was last night. And so we, uh, he'll be—well, uh, I would think he's coming home, but he's not— <laughs> I think he's going straight back to Alaska. And uh, up in Alaska, with the work of Sumerian's Purse, we have uh, Operation Heal Our Patriots. And so he goes up there to uh, help minister to our wounded vets as we minister to their husbands and wives up there. And so be praying for him up there as well, as well as the other staff. Uh, But today I want to talk to you about a a man in the Bible. Most of us have probably never heard of this man. His name is Hushwaya, and we probably never heard of him. But he was a man who faithfully served the king, King David, that is. Uh, a wonderful man. And uh, I want to look at this man. But when we look at, there's some books, I don't like to read a lot of extra books. One is, uh, this is the best book ever written, all right? <laughs> we, should, we should, this is where we need to spend the majority of our time. And there's other wonderful books uh, by your pastor, uh, by my dad. Uh, I've gotten one book and no one buys it. So... Uh, <laughs> So it's not me, all right? But I'm just saying there's other good books. And uh, I like to, my favorite type of book is to read biographies. I love to read about other people. And, uh, and people write books about famous people because they've done significant things usually. And, uh, but there's sometimes you find people that uh, maybe you never heard of before. Uh, one of these people, uh, her name was Henrietta Mears. Most of you in here probably never na- know the name of Henrietta Mears. Henrietta Mears is a lady that she's now uh, gone to be with the Lord. She basically lived from the early 1900s all the way up to, uh, uh, to, to the 60s, late 60s when she passed away. And she would have a profound impact on Christianity here in America in the second half of the 20th century. And it's a name that you may not recognize, but she would have a profound impact, especially on two different men. Uh, and, and a lady for that matter. And uh, one of those men was uh, a young man that was in California at the time, and he was struggling in his faith. His best friend in the world was calling him saying, saying, listen, you, you've learned the wrong way. You can't trust the Bible. The Bible's full of mistakes. And he was asking, he was telling his friend, listen, you, you preach old-fashioned. No one believes the Bible like that. The new way is to realize that there's problems in God's Word. And this young man said, oh, I just don't believe that. And that young lady, that lady came to, to this man and said, listen, you got to trust in God's word. The Bible says, uh, thus says the Lord. In other words, Isaiah didn't come up and say, this says me. <laughs> he said, thus says the Lord. It's a message from God, not from man. It's God's message. And so she was pulling this young man one way and his best friend was pulling him the other way. And that person was my grandfather, Billy Graham. And he listened to the woman <laughs> and believed that God's word was true and he would preach it with authority for now on. That was in August of 1949. September 1949 was a famous Los Angeles crusade. I don't think you would ever heard of Billy Graham if he hadn't made that most important decision to trust in the power of God's word. That's why you always heard my granddad say, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. Because there's power in this. And that's what we were praying for downstairs as we read God's word today, that it changes your life. Now, this lady, Henrietta Mears, she would have a profound impact on another couple. And there was these four men that she was, they were really having a revival, personal revival in their hearts. And she was helping them to study God's word and kind of, you know, Mentor him, in a sense, these young four four young men, and uh, one of these young men had a girlfriend, and they were planning to get married. But she didn't like how radical her boyfriend was getting, and I mean radical in the sense that he talked about Jesus all the time, and he talked to, to Jesus about other, you know, to other people and to strangers. He would tell them about Jesus, and she didn't like that. She didn't like that her husband was getting all too serious about religion. He went to church. That was good enough. That's all he needs to do. So she went up there to tell that, that lady, you know, I'm, thank you for what you do, but leave my husband out of this. He's fine the way he is. So she went up there and gave Henrietta Mears a piece of her mind. That lady went up there, gave Henrietta a piece of her mind, but Henrietta Mears led her to the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> her name was Vaughnette Bright. Her husband, Bill Bright. And so he would be the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. And you think about what Campus Crusade for Christ and Billy Graham all have their roots with this one lady named Henrietta Mears, a lady who never married, never had children, but God used her in a mighty way and no one on this earth really knows about her. I feel like that's how Hushua is in the Bible. Had a profound impact for the kingdom of God, but yet... Most of us have never heard of them. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn. I'm in the wrong Bible now. Second uh, Samuel. Second Samuel chapter 15. And I, I, I don't have time to read all of the Scripture. I want to summarize it, tell you where we are, then I'm going to pick up reading it, all right? So what happens is uh, David is king, but his son Absalom has stolen the hearts of the men of Israel and has now led a rebellion against his own father. And so David hears about it, and so he gathers up. He just has a few bodyguards, a couple hundred bodyguards. His army's out in the fields. You know, they're at home. They weren't at war. And so he has no help, but here comes Absalom with an army of loyal supporters. And so they go, and uh, he, matter of fact, he even turned one of David's most trusted men, Ahithophel, Ahithophel was David's smartest advisor. He was by far the smartest man that helped serve David, and, it was, uh, and he changed sides. Now, why would a smart man like that change sides? Well, when you read Scripture, you find out that his granddaughter was na- a girl named Bathsheba. You can understand why he's pretty upset what David did helped destroy his family. And so he was mad at David, and so he switched sides. So Ahithophel, the smartest man, let's say, in the country, is now against David. So David hears about this, that this army's coming, his son's coming, Ahithophel's with them, and so David decides to leave without a fight, because he didn't want the city of Jerusalem to fall like this, so he left, and uh, he's very much discouraged, and he's, he's, he's leaving, he's going toward the east, going toward the Jordan River, and he goes down to the Kidron Valley, and he starts walking up the Mount of Olives. And he gets to the top, and someone said, hey, David, I'm not sure if you've heard, but Ahithophel is with your son Absalom. And this is where I want to pick up the story. Verse 31, uh, chapter 15, 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 31. Then someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, oh, Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. Now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain, the Mount of Olives, where he worshiped God, there was Hushuaia, the archite, coming to meet him with the robe torn and dust on his head. And so what we see here is that it, there's a couple of interesting things I want to first look at. One is, is that uh, when David hears this bad news that it hit the Phils, changed sides, The first thing he did was to get on his Twitter feed and post the news. (laughs) No, what was the first thing he did? He prayed. He cried out to God, didn't it? Oftentimes, we'll go to Facebook, give our grievances there, instead of going to the Lord. We'll do anything to tell bad news to other people, but instead of going to the Lord in prayer. First thing David did was to go to the Lord in prayer, and he just basically cried out, Oh, Lord, turn the Wisdom of Ahithophel into foolishness. Which in David's mind was an impossible task. He knew Ahithophel would be a problem. He knew how to get David. And so uh, he cried out. And he got to the top of the mountain while the army is coming into Jerusalem. He's just—he's literally just a stone throws away from Jerusalem. He can oversee Jerusalem. He can see the cloud of dust coming from the, the horses and the army of Absalom coming from the south and he sits there and he worships God even in the midst of his own life being on the line he stops and worships the Lord that should tell you something the Lord is worthy of our praise no matter what's going on even during COVID (laughs) when the bombs are falling whatever it might be in your life God deserves our praise and worship and he worshiped the Lord there and it's interesting that when he opened his eyes who was standing there Hushuaia, one of his other advisors. It's interesting that before he had even prayed the prayer, listen to me, God had already sent Hushuaia to meet David. Before David prayed the prayer, God had already had answered the prayer before David prayed it because God knew what David needed. And David would pray and as soon as he opens his eyes, there's Hushuaia, the answer to David's prayer. And so that's what we see. And I want to look at this man named Hushai. First and foremost, he is a humble man. Look at verse 32 there. It says that, uh, now it happened when David had come to the top of the mountain where he worshiped God. There was Hushai the archite. That's all we know about him, really. <laughs> that's, his, that's his whole background right there as an archite. That's all we know about. In other words, there's only a few verses of Scripture and all the Scripture that talk about Hushuaia. We'll see a few more verses here in a minute. There's some in chapter uh, 16, that the advice that Hushuaia would give to Absalom. And then there's only like one other mention in 1 in Chronicles. That's it. There's only a few verses in all the Scripture that talk about Hushuaia. Not only did he come from a small unknown clan, an archite, most of them believe that we're part Canaanites. Uh, we don't know much about them. I mean, when I say humble, there's no, there's no famous person in his clan. There's no one famous out of his family lineage. It's just him. Very humble beginnings. There's nothing famous about this man. His name only shows up 14 times in all the Scripture. He was known as an archite, which was a small Canaanite clan. And today, my friends, his humility should serve as an example for us. Today, we want to make it about ourselves so many times. We want to be seen. We want to be known. We want to be famous. When God's never called us to be famous, he calls us to be what? Obedient. So many people, so many Christians are wrapped up on how many followers they can get. How many likes they can get. We want to have the most Facebook, the most Instagram We want to be TikTok fans, whatever it might be. We want to have it all. And we think that's some type of success. We simply want to be famous. But we're not humble. It reminds me of a story. A friend of mine of my granddad's name, he was a great friend of mine. They grew up together. His name was Grady Wilson. Grady was the life of, he was the fun guy in the Billy Graham circle, all right? He's the one that kept everybody on their toes. Practical joker. I mean, everything. And uh, he would tell about this story about this, uh, this uh, elephant and mouse who were friends. And they went on a journey, and they came up across this really broken down bridge, just barely hanging together. And this elephant and this mouse walked across, and the whole thing was just shaking, just about to fall down. And they get to the other side, and the mouse said, man, we sure did make that bridge shake, didn't we? Just like Michael Youssef said, the glory goes to God. He's the the one that's doing the shaking. It's not us. He was a humble man. But he was also a compassionate man. We see that in verse 32. How does he show up? He came to meet him with his nicest robe and a three-piece suit. Is that what it says? No. No. That's what I love about this church. You guys read the scriptures along with me. Thank you. With his robe what? Torn. And what was on his head? Dust. In other words, this is a sign of compassion. In other words, he's identifying by an outward appearance about what's going on in his heart. He tears his robe. It's it's to signify that his heart is torn. It's ripped. His heart is ripped for his king. He knows his heart's, the king of the heart is ripped right now because of his son now trying to fight him and kill him. His own son wants to kill his father. He identifies with that. He, he rips his clothes, showing David, I identify with what's going on. He throws dirt on his head to show him that he's in with this. D- David is walking up a dusty trail right now with, no, with his bare feet as he's trying to flee. He identifies. He has compassion. That's what compassion means. It means to identify with the sorrows of someone else. So let me ask you a question. When's the last time you felt sorrow for somebody else? When did your heart weep for somebody else? Most of the time we don't want to do that because it makes us, we start to cry ourselves. Um, We don't want to show that emotion out in public. I'm here to tell you I'm, I'm a Jeremiah. I'm a weeper. I'm a weeper you know I'm I'm watching Top Gun and I'm weeping (laughs) it's not the most manly thing but that's me I identify with things I can I'm grateful for that it's a gift that God's given me to help me to understand the compassions and when I go around the world my heart's broken to see what's going around the world to the church so he was a compassionate man He was a loyal man, in verse 33, whose shire was dedicated to serve King David. He was willing to go with David. He said, David, King, I'll go with you. I'm ready. I'm here to go with you. Where are we going? And David says, listen, I don't even know where I'm going tonight. I'm fleeing. I have no idea. I don't have a plan. And he looks at him, and we don't know why. He says, you're going to slow me down. I don't know if he was old or, you know, out of shape, maybe a bum ankle. I don't know. We're not told. David said, But you're going to slow me down, so don't come with me. But he was willing to go with David. He was loyal. He goes, Oh, king, I'm ready to go with you. I'm ready to side with you. I'm going with you. Wherever you go, I'll go. He was a loyal man. He was willing to leave everything behind to follow the king. He was willing to leave the security of the known for the insecurity of the unknown. He is willing to identify with the king, to be identified, to be known as traveling with him, even though that he might be on the losing side, even though his reputation may come into question. Oftentimes, we think we're loyal to God until it's time to go or to move, (laughs) Sometimes we'll say, God, I'm, I'm in all this, but then all of a sudden something comes and says, no, Lord, timing's wrong, sorry, not good for me. Maybe later, Lord. We're just going to stay here. We're content, and we're going to stay here. We're not going to do that, Lord, sorry. That was last week. <laughs> I meant it last week, but not this week. <laughs> in other words, we're loyal, but our loyalty has boundaries so many times, has cutoffs. And we say to the Lord, we say, Lord, it, we want to, we really want to, but it's just, it's not convenient right now. My kids just got into this great school or, or we come up with some, we'll come up with an excuse and that's what it is. It's an excuse not to follow the king. Who I could have any excuse he wanted? My family's not here. I didn't tell him goodbye. I didn't know I was really going. <laughs> um, I still got a business I got to run, uh, David, uh, Looking at your small army and Napsom's army, it's not looking good for you. How about if I just stick this one out? He was loyal. He was ready to go. But he was also not only a loyal man, he was a sacrificial man. Because of Hushai's dedication, he was willing to leave everything behind. In other words, he, he left his family. He didn't, I mean, he was willing to lose everything. His business. He was willing to lose his reputation because he was going to identify with the king. He was willing to leave everything behind. What about you? He was willing to sacrifice everything. He was willing to leave everything behind. Listen, his own family. And listen to me very carefully family is very important. Amen? But do you know what's even more important? Following God. There were some other people that used their families as an excuse in the Bible. Do you remember who? Israel, when they came out of captivity, God said, go take this land. And they they sent spies, and they said, we can't take this land. What about our children? What about our wives? (laughs) They used their family as an excuse not to take the promised land. And do you remember what God said? Fine. You're not going in. You're all going to die off. And guess what? I'm going to give the land to your kids. <laughs> they used the family as the excuse not to follow God. Not, in this case, Ushuaia, he was willing to follow the king. He was sacrificial. He was sacrificial. See, my friends, he was a, in a a very unusual man, Hushuaiah was. But he was also a prompt man. He was j- jolly on the spot, you might say. As soon as Hushuaiah heard that Absalom was leading the rebellion, he went to meet David. He didn't make an appointment, he didn't get out his phone and say, Let me see if I can schedule this one in. Let's see if I got time before the market opens, if I can go see David. Oh, no, that's going to be too close. No, he went. He went. And it was an ordained meeting. God had an appointment for him to go and help David. When David commanded him to return to Jerusalem, he went straight there. The part was, he said, "Hushwa, you're you're too old. You're you're not fit. I don't know where I'm going. I don't want you to go with me. You'll slow me down. But I got another plan for you. I want you to go back into Jerusalem. I want you to pledge allegiance to my son Absalom. And I want you to advise him. And you know what Hushai said? Yes, sir. And guess what he did? He went, boom, he went. When God prompted his heart to go to David, boom, he went. He didn't pray about it. You say, well, we'll we should pray about everything. That's true, we should pray about everything. But when God speaks to you, you do it. You don't, once God speaks to you, you don't need to sit there and say, well, let me pray if I should do this or not. He's already spoken. You do it now. My friends, that's what I love about God's word. God's word speaking to us, and when God's word speaks, we do it. Lord, I, I read this. You're telling me to do such and such, but let me pray about that. No, he's telling you to do it. And that's what I love about Hushai. He was a prompt man. When David commanded him to return to Jerusalem, he went straight there. He didn't argue. He didn't count the cost. He simply obeyed. Too many times we drag our feet as Christians today. We drag our feet. There's some of you here today, you're dragging your feet, following the Lord. We want to pray about things that God has already commanded us to do. (laughs) If Hushua had dragged his feet, then he would have missed the opportunity to serve the king. Just think, how many times have we missed serving the king because we drug our feet? I remember I I used to be a pastor, and I still, that's that's why I like coming here. (laughs) It's like an itch, and I'm taking it out on you, all right? (laughs) When you're an evangelist, you only get to preach a few times of the year, you know, and could you imagine if your pastor could only preach about four times or ten times a year? It would drive him nuts, man. He wants to preach, he wants to preach, 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 preach. And so this is why I'm unloading on you guys, all right? (laughs) So I'm boxed up, I got to get it out. And so here he comes up, he's, um, I remember this time I was a pastor in a church in Raleigh, North Carolina. And God laid it on my heart to go visit someone that was sick. Uh, They were terminally ill. I said, Lord, I, I just can't do it right now. I'll do it first thing next week. What do you think happened? They died. I said, Lord, I'll never do that again. Another year later, we'll go visit this person. Well, they're not sick. I'll do it next week. It's gone. My friends, I was not prompt on either one of those occasions. I remember having a conversation with the Lord, Lord, and I just had my little white handkerchief, and, you know, not literally, but in my heart I had my little Lord, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. When you speak, do it. Be prompt about it. You never know why it is so urgent. So I do it now. So when people when God lays people on my heart, I'll be driving down the road and you get a lot of conversations with the Lord that way. Just, and the Lord just placed people in my heart. I said, yes sir, I'll do it right now. I get on my phone, call that person just to check on them, see how they're doing. Sometimes I never know what the deal is. I just call them and check on them. And uh I just learned that's a good thing to do. When the Lord puts people in your heart, talk to them it may be maybe about salvation it may be about their marriage it may be just a word of encouragement we just never know and so Hushua was a prompt man but he was an intelligent man and we see this later on in chapter 17 you don't need to turn the bible but but he would give advice and he would give advice to, to David on what to do he says listen your son Absalom may attack you tonight Ahithophel has advised your son to attack you tonight You need to get across the Jordan River right now. And he would give David, even at that time, he was still giving David good advice. He was faithful. He was a smart man. He could see what was going on. He understood the advice of Ahithophel. And he was trying to counter the advice of Ahithophel. Remember what David prayed? Oh, Lord, turn the wisdom of Ahithophel into foolishness. Hushua was the answer, and he wasn't the smartest man. Ahithophel he was going up against his his leader in a sense the one that he would look forward to now he's got to fight him wisdom on wisdom but he would send word to David David get out of the plains get across the Jordan River because Ahithophel his argument may persuade your son to go after you you need to get over into safety so he was an intelligent man and my friends, we need to use our gifts, whatever they are—intelligence, finances, prayer, whatever our gifting is—in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's His gift to us. We give it back to Him. We're stewards of the things that He has given us. And you say, "Well, well, God didn't give me that. God didn't give me that. I'm not going to give that because I got that myself." Baloney. God's given you everything you have, and you're a steward of it. What kind of steward are you? Hushua was a good steward. He used his advice to help his king. But he was also a diligent and faithful man. Hushua, diligent, completed everything the king asked him to do. He returned to Jerusalem right away. Boom, he went. He didn't go home. He went there. He pledged allegiance, just like the king asked him to do. How would you like to do that? Now you're in a spy. If you get caught, you're dead. You're a traitor. You're dead. He put his life on the line. But he did that. He, he returned to Jerusalem. He pledged allegiance to Absalom. He thwarted the advice of Ahithophel, and he reported back to David by saying, David, get a cross. And he did everything the king asked him, like little check marks, ding, 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 ding. He did it all. Just whatever the king asked him to do, he did. He was a very diligent and faithful man. Oftentimes God tells us what to do, but then we, we sit there and we choose on which parts we want to obey on. Lord, that's too costly. Mm-mm. Lord, I'll do that, and I'm going to do A, B, C. Mm-mm. D, I'll do E and F, and I'll do a G for extra credit. <laughs> but that's how we choose. We choose to what we're going to obey with the Lord. And that's what's so sad. We, we want to choose, Lord, I'm not going to obey on this, but I'll obey on this. Listen, if you're not 100% faithful, you're 100% unfaithful. 99% obedience equals 100% disobedience. That's what even uh, King Saul in 1 Samuel, that's what his problem was. He thought, I did this and this. I, I did all this except these few things, and he thought it was okay because he did more good things than bad things. He was totally disobedient with the Lord. That was King Saul. My friends, he was a willing man. He was willing to do anything the king asked of him. He was willing to go back to Jerusalem. He was willing to lose his business. He was willing to lose his family. He was lo- willing to lose his own life. Hushua was willing to do, to lose everything because of one simple reason the king asked. The king asked. One of my favorite things is uh, not only was he a willing man, but he was a true companion of the king don't turn there but in first chronicles chapter 27 verse 33 it mentions them that's the final time we ever get a mention out of them and it said ahithophel was david's advisor and so was hushua who was also a companion of the king he was a companion of the king how would you like to be known as the companion of the king he sat with the king he ate with the king He traveled with the king. He enjoyed the richness of the king. All those things that he got to enjoy because of his faithful service to the king. My friends, do you want to be a companion of the king? Is that something that you really want in life? Or do you just want to be, oh, I just go to church for the fun of it. That's what's expected of me. Or do you really want to be used by the king to do something mighty, far greater than you could ever imagine? See, that's what I love about him. Like I said before, he was a willing man. He did all that for one reason. The king asked him. The king said, I want you to do this. And he said, yes, sir, I'll do it right now. And he turned and left. He did everything the king asked him to do. He didn't shirk one responsibility. He did it all. Why? Because the king asked. So let me ask you a question. What is the king asking you to do right now that you don't want to do? Think about that. I don't care if you're in the balcony or down here on the floor, if you're watching online or on TV, it doesn't matter. What's the one thing that God's calling you to do but You're you're squirming because you think the cost is too much or you don't know how you're going to do it. He why didn't have all these answers? He just said, yes, sir. And he did them. And God gave him the ability. God kept him safe. God gave him the ability to thwart the advice of Ahithophel, the smartest man in the land. And King Absalom would take his advice over Ahithophel's. It was such bad news for Ahithophel that he went and hung himself. The first time ever that someone never took his advice. He went with Hushua's advice. God used Hushuaia to save David and to save a kingdom. And it's a man that we've never heard before. He gets passed over in Scripture. But God used him in such a mighty way to have a lasting impact. Are you, are you willing to lose everything? Everything. Because the king asked you. My friends, we don't know much about Hushuaia. But he really is an example to all of us. Especially for us believers. He's a great example for all of us believers. He was a humble man. He didn't have any fancy background, lineage, or anything like that. He was compassionate because he identified with David. He tore his clothes. He was loyal. He wanted to go with David. David, I'll die with you. I'll go with you. Let me go with you. And David said, no, i got other plans for you. He was sacrificial because he was willing to sacrifice everything, his life, his family, his business, in order to do what the king asked him to do. He was prompt. He did it right away. He didn't sit there and pray about it for a couple weeks. No, it it needed immediacy. He did it. He was intelligent. He used his gifts, the wisdom that God had given him to help his king. He was diligent and faithful by completing everything that the king asked him to do. That he would report back to certain people and they would report to someone else and then they would get the news to David. His little spy ring. David's spy ring. He did it perfectly. He was the companion of the king. And my friends, more importantly... Not only was he a true friend, but he was loved by the king. And I think that can be no greater words in the world is to be loved by the king. But we have to be like Kushuaia, willing to do whatever the king asks. And so my friends, I don't know what you're struggling in your walk with Christ right now. I don't know where you are spiritually. But I'm here to tell you that the king is worth it the king is worth it And you say well i might lose my friends i might they may ridicule me jesus is worth it my friends he was laughed at he was ridiculed he can identify with us all jesus wants to do is to love us and we can be the companion of that to receive the richness of christ all the great things that come with christ are ours if we simply follow the king to follow the lord jesus christ so i don't know where you are in your spiritual walk i don't know what's going on in your life but god does and i'm here to tell you that god sees you you've been praying maybe this is that maybe this is the answer to your prayer right now before you, you didn't know i was going to be here you didn't know what message going be. you've been praying about this now the lord's answering it Are you willing to follow the King? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, I look at my own life and I be honest, Lord, I am no Hushwaya. Lord, I can look at all these great traits of Hushwaya and Lord, how I've, Lord, I'm not an example of any of those things in my life. I've missed opportunities in obedience. I've missed blessings because I was war- more worried about myself. Lord, I could accomplish so much more if I hadn't been looking at the things of the world. And so, Lord, would you forgive me first and foremost for not being as faithful as Hushuaia. But, Lord, we thank you for your word that speaks. Lord, your, your word that talks about Hushuaia has convicted me of my shortcomings. So, Lord, would you please forgive me? Help me to be more like Hushuaia, a faithful servant of the king, loyal, compassionate, intelligent, sacrificial. Lord, because I desire to be a companion of you. Help me to be identified for the rest of my life as a companion of the one true king. by being a simple servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, there's others here that are struggling as well. I know this is a wonderful church, Lord. This is one of my favorite churches to come to, but Lord, there's no perfect church. There's no perfect people. Lord, there may be some that they're listening online. They're they're here in the sanctuary, Lord, and they're struggling. They got decisions they have to make, and Lord, they're, they're wrestling whether it's worth following you and Lord I want them to know right now that Jesus is worth everything even more precious than life itself so may Lord we never be scared to follow you so Lord I pray for the men and women in this room both young and old Lord that have decisions to make about what they're going to do in life the decisions that may affect their company or their home or their marriage. Following Jesus is far worth it, my friends. He'll never, ever let you down. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us this morning. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless.